Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. This is episode number 133. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? Oh man, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty I'm doing pretty good myself. Right. Or should I say I'm doing well? Mm-mm. Not gonna No, no. Okay. Stop that. Not gonna be proper about it. Mm-mm. Uh this week. On the show, we'll be taking a look at two movies that hit video on demand. Uh, first, we'll be talking about The Longest Week, starring Jason Bateman and Olivia Wilde. And then we'll be talking about the musical God Help the Girl. We'll also be Which int- everyone's been clamoring for. Yeah. <laughs> Our viewpoints on those two movies. <laughs> uh, well, nothing came out except what's that? the identical, which I think we'll talk about later. Uh We'll also be introducing a new monthly segment we're calling Guilty Pleasures. And of course, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Before we get into some of what we've been watching, just a couple news items that I wanted to highlight. First of all, the passing of Joan Rivers. Uh, Now, Joan Rivers was... It's sad to me that most people just know her for her red carpet stuff. You know, I think younger people only know her for that like the fashion police and all that stuff that she did later on but people seem to forget that she is a she was a hilarious comedian hilarious i think that she was one of the she was truly one of the great she probably was the greatest female stand-up comic uh yeah i think i think you could say that i mean like a strong case for that if all you have to do is watch that the documentary that came out a couple years ago, Piece of Work, and you'll just understand how hilarious she was. Very sad. I mean, she was 81 years old, which is crazy because she did not look 81 at all. She had some help. (laughs) She had some work done. (laughs) She had some help with that. I was looking. A lot of people have been posting jokes and things that she would tell, that she told uh, on Twitter, and... Every one of them made me laugh. I mean, she was just so funny. And in the documentary, they showed a... uh, She has like a a card catalog system that contains all her jokes. And it is massive. It looks like something you'd see in a library. I'm going to have to check out that documentary. Oh, yeah. I I highly recommend it. I don't know if it's available like on Netflix or or whatever, but definitely seek it out. It's called Piece of Work. And the, the other little bit of news that I wanted to talk about, not movie related, but I don't know if you saw this. They identified Jack the Ripper this week. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. No, they didn't. I'm so sick and tired of this shit. They identified Jack the Ripper, the 126-year-old case. Real quick. The Joan Rivers, A Piece of Work, is play instant on Netflix. Okay, so yeah, definitely check that out. Alright, Jack the fucking Ripper, huh? How'd they, how'd they figure that okay, out? Okay, so this this guy purchased a shawl of one of the victims of Jack the Ripper, and he had extensive DNA testing done on it. And they found DNA from someone who was one of the original suspects, but they could never prove that this guy did it. And through the DNA testing and different 
you know, looking at the timeline and all that stuff, they they figured it out. It was a 23-year-old hairdresser that did it. All right. All right. So, well, I'm, I'm glad we got that cleared I up. I thought that that was pretty interesting. Now we can finally move on with our lives. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yep. Whew. Also, did you... irritate me since birth. Getting back to movies, did you see that Quentin Tarantino has now taken over the New Beverly Hotel... Uh, New Beverly Hotel. The New Beverly <laughs> Cinema. <laughs> I did see that, which kind of got me excited, and then I was like, well, it doesn't affect You don't me live anyway, in L.A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Ernie... Ernie goes to the New Beverly a lot, or he did up until when they closed like a week ago. So I asked him about it, and he was like, well, you know, it's it could be good and it could be not great because what Tarantino's doing is he's only going to be showing 35-millimeter prints there. Fantastic. And it's like Ernie's... What Ernie said to me was, how long can they do that for? With everything going digital... Can they maintain a business with just showing thirty-five millimeter? Yes, I think they. Can. I think they can too. I, I honestly I do. Think I think can. that it's a good idea. And the truth of the matter is, the that theater was more of a, a revival, a, a repertory cinema anyway. So they mostly played older movies to begin with, and there's not going to be any kind of lack of thirty-five millimeter prints for older movies. No. And, no. and especially with his connections. Right. Come on. Come on. So starting in October, he'll be taking over programming duties. Now, he did own the building for a while because I guess several years ago when the original owner passed away, I think this was back in like 2007, he, it, it was in danger of closing down. They were going to turn it into a, I think they were going to turn it into a supercuts or something <laughs> and he was just like no and then he ended yes. up buying the building fantastic i'm just i imagine that quentin tarantino's like office or whatever is going to be like scrooge mcduck where there's just 35 millimeter prints everywhere and he just jumps into it <laughs> swims around picks one up and that's how he decides I, what they're gonna show i think it's great i i hope that even though this is just one theater and it's one famous director that's spearheading this i'm hoping that it'll do well and some of the studios and things will see like okay there there still is a market for 35 millimeter and the fact that did you i'm sure you probably saw that the hate hateful eight is being filmed in 70 millimeter did you see that he's shooting it in 70 millimeter that's fantastic yep which was actually one of the highlights of seeing Sin City, we got to see a teaser for The Hateful Eight. Oh, you bitch. Yeah. I don't know if you can see that online at this point or not, but it got me so pumped. 70 millimeter, too. That's great. I like that news. Yeah. I think it's I think it's good news. It's just, It sucks that we don't live in L.A. and can't go to it because I'm imagining that his programming lineup is going to be pretty amazing. Well, I don't know. I still hold out hope that Quentin might take over. You know, one of the Penn Cinemas <laughs> take over the, <laughs> the cinema in Lidd, Pennsylvania. You never know. You never know. Uh, yeah. Fingers crossed. So that's that's a bit of good news for the week. Let's go ahead and get into some of what we've been watching. Kevin, why don't you start off this week? 
Oh, okay. I'll start it off with a Polish film from 1973 called Illumination by Krzysztof Zanussi. Uh, I had, this is an import. Got this from Second Run DVD. And, oh my goodness, this sucker is pretty damn good. Uh, it follows a physicist on a quest for knowledge, sort of told in the scattershot uh, kinetic moments. Like, each scene lasts, like, maybe two minutes tops. Hmm. And it's just one right after the other for 89 minutes, which is odd because while watching it, it felt like an eternity. And now, when we say this, it's usually a critique on the film. But this one, it's the reverse. It was it actually felt much longer, but in a good way. Because he covers so many different topics. Like pretty much the essentially the, the span of one person's lifespan and just tackles all these different topics. And in doing so he sort of intercuts these documentary footage side notes. Mm. Kinda like uh the Yugoslavian director Dusan Mikajev done the same way they do there's uh one portion in particular where they show a man getting brain surgery done and they're sort of just poking and prodding his brain to see how he reacts and it is just all types of interesting because at one point they poke his brain and he just starts flipping out yelling screaming and as soon as they let go he's just calm as can be and they're like do you do you remember anything he's like no he's like do you feel any pain he's like no everything's fine it's just so bizarre. They do uh, other stuff, you know, scientists discussing a wide range of topics, philosophers. Uh, he goes to like a hermit community. There's a whole bunch of stuff. So is it's it insane. is it a documentary or is just it just has it's documentary a, it, elements? It has documentary elements. It's just a mixture of the two, and it follows this physicist as he just wants to know everything, essentially like the meaning of life. He experiences love, betrayal loses a friend, falls in love again, gets married, has a kid. Then he sort of drops out of college and becomes like a manual laborer. And then he goes back to school. I mean, it's just, it goes over all these topics in 89 minutes. Is he an actor or is it an actual physicist? It's a, No, it's a, he's an actor. Okay. But they do talk to actual physicists like throughout the movie. It's, it's just, it's very odd. And the number of topics that are discussed is equal by the number of camera tricks and movements and different types of angles in the cinematography. It's just, it's fantastic. Fantastic. Check it out. Cool. Yeah. Might have to do that. I saw a, now let me just say, this has been a, not a great week for me. I didn't see anything (laughs) that was worth getting into. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Just, it was a blah rough. week. It's like oh, I didn't. Those are the worst. Yeah, I didn't see anything that was horribly bad, but I didn't see anything that was would get a glowing review from me either. It was just, uh, it was a v- very vanilla week for me. Mm, that's rough. Just like a muted, yeah, shoulder shoulder shrug. Mm-hmm. I saw Trailer Park Boys. Don't legalize it. This is the third yeah. Trailer Park Boys movie. <laughs> I- I understand what you're saying. <laughs> this one was probably maybe the most interesting of all, <laughs> the most entertaining. I was gonna say, what is, what is the movie that you enjoyed the most this week? Um, well, I re I rewatched The Pact, okay. and I'm not gonna 
get into that because I think maybe I talked about it on a previous episode. That was the best of all of them rewatching the pact because I mm-hmm. truly love that movie. And it's a really great independent horror movie, but so you had to, you had to lean on a rewatch. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And That's my cool. guilty pleasure movie. I, I rewatched that as well. So that was uh, enjoyable as well. Trailer Park Boys, don't legalize it. If you're into the Trailer Park Boys show or any of the other movies, you know what to expect here. It's very similar. Shot as a mockumentary style. Very much like Reno 911 or The Office in a way where they do confessional style interviews with the three main people and some of the extra people as well, the secondary characters. This one I actually enjoyed more than the second one. I don't know why the the second one really didn't do it for me. This one I thought the story was more interesting. Basically, the the one character, Julian, his business is to sell clean urine for drug tests. And the other guy, Ricky, has he, he's selling marijuana. He has this uh, pretty big weed operation going on. And they find out that Canada may be legalizing recreational marijuana use. So they decide to take a road trip to, I believe, Ottawa to protest it and try to get it not legalized. (laughs) Which is kind of funny in and of itself. I thought that a lot of the dialogue was very clever. There were some things in it that are just stupid and don't work. And that's what? pretty much like how all the Trailer Park Boys stuff is. What are you is. talking about the Trailer Boys? Trailer Park Boys, come on. Stupid. If the, if you watch the show, you'll you'll understand. It is a lot funnier than it sounds. The concept of the show and the movies doesn't seem like it would be very funny. It seems like it'd be incredibly lowbrow. And it is for the most part, but it's it's a lot smarter than it seems. Especially the dialogue. A lot of the dialogue is just really funny. Um, This one works for the most part. This has been released uh, to coincide with the eighth season, which is now on Netflix. So for fans of the Trailer Park Boys, this is a great weekend because they released the third movie and the eighth season all at once. And you know how Netflix does it. It's the whole season being released together. Now, I haven't seen... I saw part of the first episode of the eighth season, and I believe that it picks up after this movie. So you should probably see the movie first, then start watching the show. I see what they did there. Yeah. That's a good idea. So, in summation, if you liked any of the previous Trailer Park Boys stuff, maybe give this a watch. It's the same jokes, but... It's still pretty funny. I like that we went from Illumination, a 1973 Polish film, to Trailer Park to Boys, tra- to the Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's only there's only one place where that happens. <laughs> it's right here. Because <laughs> mm. the next one that we go to is 1972's The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie. Ooh, Louise Bunuel. Perfect segue. Kid me. I never saw this. Uh, this is a this is a pretty famous movie, right? This is a pretty famous movie. This is a satire poking fun at the tryhard middle class and their hypocrisy and everything. Uh, it's a group of bourgeoisie that are routinely interrupted 
or trying to sit down for dinner. They just want to have a goddamn meal and they keep being interrupted. It's kind of the opposite of his film from 1962, The Exterminating Angel, wherein in that movie, it was a group of bourgeoisie having dinner and then they just couldn't leave. They couldn't leave the dinner party. And then people end up dying and there's all sorts of surrealism going on. So this is kind of the flip side. It's they can't sit down to have their meal. They're interrupted by wars starting and making entirely too much noise while they're trying to eat. And just a whole host of bizarre happenings. But for me, this movie, the, the cinematography is just really bland. Like I enjoyed the story. And I, you know, the plot developments and everything, but just in the camera department, there was really nothing going on. It's just very bland. So I'm like middle of the road. I enjoyed it, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be glowing review of this bad boy. There's another thing that happens in this movie that I've never seen before. Okay. And that is before there's a cut, the scene will like freeze frame for like a split second and then it'll go on to the next scene. Mm. I wish it stayed that way that I've never seen it done before because it is awful. I have no idea why that was done. I feel like that's something they it used to do ter- in like TV shows and stuff back in the 70s. It was just awful. Like, and I couldn't because I watched this on Hulu. Okay. It's on Hulu Plus. You can watch it. And I couldn't for like the first like three or four times it happened. I wasn't sure if like I was just having playback problems from Hulu. Yeah. Like, it was just freezing up, and then it would cut to... But after a while, I was like, oh, it's, it's kind of odd that Hulu would screw up with every, like, cut sequence and freeze frame. This has to be done within the movie, and it's terrible, and it should never be done again. Which I don't think it has been, really, because I haven't seen it. This is the only, the only place that I've seen it. Hmm. And I didn't much like it. Didn't much like it. It doesn't seem like it'd be really one for me. This is supposed to be about the middle class, and yet I'm seeing a... Uh an image here is still and it looks like they have some sort of server servant or maid yes it doesn't seem very middle class to me but it's like upper middle class you know they're just trying really hard to be the upper class mm. they're just not there yet they just try so fucking hard <laughs> okay uh continuing my vanilla movie watching <laughs> I saw 14 Blades starring uh, Donnie Yen. It's it's a lot of Blades. Yeah. I like Donnie Yen movies. My favorite Donnie Yen movie is Flashpoint. I'm not sure. Have you ever seen that one? I have not. It's awesome. I highly recommend checking out Flashpoint. Not so much 14 Blades. It's your pretty typical Ming Dynasty wirefu movie. Basically, Donnie Yen plays this soldier who is um, sort of like a guardian of the emperor. He's like Secret Service, basically. Okay. And the whole 14 Blades thing comes into effect where they, they get trained from a very young age. And each, once they graduate and become one of these Secret Service people, they get this box that has 14 different blades in it. One, each blade is for use, like it has a different purpose. So one of the blades is used for interrogating. And one of the blades is used for uh, various ways to kill. One of them is used to kill yourself if you fail a mission. 
Gotcha. So there's all these different blades that do different things. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really cool looking box. It's all... I was going to say, it sounds like a serious box of blades. It's really cool. It's it's very... It, it, it almost seems steampunk-esque in how this box is... <laughs> there's gears everywhere and the blades pop out at different angles and stuff and they can do different things and they shoot blades shoot out of it and it's like a swiss army box of blades yeah it's very cool the action in this movie is top notch it's very well choreographed uh this is directed by daniel lee who did black mask the jet lee movie okay he did some other ones too uh that that i haven't that i'm not familiar with but pretty typical it's it follows a very similar plot line as all of these other ones where Donnie Yen there's, he gets betrayed and then he gets framed and then the, the emperor's men are hunting him and he has to escape. And then he falls in love with a, with a girl and he has to clear his name and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, (laughs) it's just so typical. And I was going to say, it sounds like all the others. Yeah really is it's more violent than something like crouching tiger so they were going for a more edgy feel sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't it's not overly violent you're not see it's not like uh like uh what you call it shogun assassin where (laughs) where heads are getting (laughs) chopped off and there's geysers of blood or anything but oh that's a bummer i was sent the blu-ray to review for this and that's why i watched it the blu-ray is pretty terrible the transfer is not good at all. It's way over, like, like the sharpness level is jacked to infinity. It's ridiculous looking. You can see all the makeup on all the actors, and it's, mm. it's distracting. Mm. So the video is pretty bad on the Blu-ray. There's no special features at all. It's, uh, it's pretty, pretty poorly done. What's the point of that? Which is a shame, because this, this movie actually came out in 2010. I think I might have seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> I love when that happens. It's one of those movies where I, I was have... I was like 10 minutes into it, and I was, like, I was thinking to myself, I think I might have seen this before. But then again, it could just be, like you're saying, it's like all the right. rest. And I never, I never figured it out, because it, <laughs> it wasn't logged in my letterbox. So either... Either I also, saw all evidence that you have is pointing to this was a first time watch. I believe so. Yes. See, it did come okay. out in 2010 originally. It just now got released in the U.S. But I watch a lot of imports, so yeah, I so may have this, seen this at some point. This might have been pre letterbox. That's what I'm thinking. It might have been pre letterbox. You just, you just forgot about it. I do. I'm interested because plot keywords on IMDb. We got double impalement. And speared to death. Yeah, that. So that that, <laughs> that peaks happens. interest again. That I, peaks interest. I'll reiterate that the action is quite good. All the fight scenes are good. It's just everything in between is pretty boring and very generic. Just limping your way towards the next action. Exactly. And yeah. Donnie Yen, I'm a big fan of his, and he's great in this. <clears throat> but it's a tough recommend unless you're really into these types of movies house of flying daggers hero those types of movies but this is it just at this point it feels tired gotcha so 14 blades it is available now 
on Blu-ray. I would probably just rent it if you want to see it, though, because the Blu-ray is not very good. Mm -hmm. That's disappointing. Uh, You remember last episode I talked about a movie called Tombville? Yeah. Tombville, Belgian art house horror film, and I was kind of excited about it. Well, that was because I was halfway through. Second half, all that excitement just went away. Just died. A horrible death. That's Double impalement style. So, I mean, it starts off good. It starts off very promising. I sort of just plunge the main character and the viewer into this world that is just enveloped in perpetual darkness. Okay? It's just this bizarre village with inhabitants that are just very bizarre. And every direction that he goes, he just ends up back at the same place. Um, the cinematography looks great because the only thing that's really lit up in any sort of way is, you know, the face of all the characters and they start to unravel what the mystery is. So he wakes up in this village and he has no idea how he got there. He doesn't really know anything about his past except for one instance that happened and he's trying to figure it out and his memories are playing tricks on him. And once that starts to unravel, once they start to explain the mystery that's going on here, it just, it's so predictable just a well-worn idea and it just devolves into amateurish just oh my goodness there's a whole sequence of like it feels like it goes on for 20 minutes but it's probably only four where the main character is in a room trapped in this room and he's scared and anxious so as you can imagine the camera's just swirling around, intense close-ups, and he's just our, his eyes are darting around, and he's chewing on his nails, and he's just like clawing at the door, and it's just all types of awful. Hmm. And, and there's a very bizarre development that happens like halfway through, which I, I mean, most people are probably not going to get a chance to see this, but I still don't want to ruin it. But when it happens... And the way it happens, you're just sort of sitting there like, uh, okay, so we're going in that direction, huh? And it just, let's say that involves uh, a type of child abuse. Yeah, very bizarre. Well, if you are going to Fantastic Fest this year, it's screening there. Yeah, and bypass it. So, (laughs) just a heads up. The only thing that's, you know worth noting about this film is the cinematography everything else is just all types of terrible the and it's just very frustrating because it looks so good and it really does have this air of mystery to it and it's very unsettling and and once they start to try and explain things it just it becomes awful yeah tedious really it's just i I wish they would have stuck with just leaving everything mysterious hmm well, I was going to check this one out, but now I'm not so sure. I kind of want you to, just to see. Just to see what you think. But you're not going to like it. Okay. <laughs> just a heads up. That that really doesn't stop me from seeing movies. <laughs> I, I noticed. I noticed. Yeah. So, speaking of which, I watched The Pact 2. That's what made me want to watch The Pact 1. Okay. This came out on Video On Demand this week. I was not really i didn't really have very high expectations for this one because the pact if you've seen it it's yes there's a little thing that happens at the end but it's uh 
well, I don't, I don't want to give anything away, but it's not really the type of movie that needs a sequel. Um, I, I would say it's not really a movie that should have a sequel, but they did make a sequel, and it's pretty generic. There are a few jump scares in the second one, but it's not nearly as fascinating as the first one, and like the mystery of the first one, they try to mimic that in the second one, and it's just not there, and they just try to expand on the story of the first one, which doesn't really work, and the amount of coincidences that happen in this one is slightly ridiculous the main character is this girl who she's a comic book artist but she's also a crime scene cleanup person and you find out that her father is actually this serial killer that was in the first packed movie and it just seems so convenient that everything works out this way i called everything a mile away they try to throw throw some red herrings at you i wasn't picking up on any of it and it's just not very good it's nicholas mccarthy who directed the first pact he did not come back for this one this one is directed by dallas richard hallam and patrick horvath who did uh, one of them i believe did the movie entrance which i was I don't remember. I don't know. I don't remember which one did entrance. One of them did entrance, and I liked that movie. That was a just a little indie thriller that came out last year. But uh, I'm trying to figure out which one. Oh, it was maybe both of them. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, I guess it was both of them that did entrance. <clears throat> I liked that one, but this movie this... just it just didn't do it for me. It wasn't terrible, but no. it just didn't hold up to the first one. The first one did a lot of unique things and was, uh, no. was just really cool. The first one, packed. Because we're coming up on October here, which is, you know, when I pretty much binge on horror movies now. Do you think the pact? Mm. Could that be could that be something? I thought I about this when I was watching it Did last night. It yeah, I think that you might appreciate it. I don't know that you will like it, but they do some interesting things in that movie. So, as far as newer horror movies go, I would say, yeah, maybe maybe you should check it out. Yeah. You're not really into the supernatural horror stuff, though, so... Now, see, the thing is, the supernatural horror ones are the only ones that actually get me a little bit. They're the only ones that really, like, kind of freak me out a little bit. I don't know why. Well, this... I mean, the first pack, yeah, there are some pretty freaky stuff that happens in it so yeah check it out it's i don't want to give anything away about it because it's the type of movie that if you go into it cold you're going to come out appreciating it more okay but i will say this that it's not your typical haunted house movie it starts out that way and you think that that's what it's just going to be but there's more to it than that and it's a when you think about it after you watch it, it's pretty interesting how it all comes together. So yeah, I would check that one out if you haven't. It extremely underrated. It didn't really do much when it came out. I think that's because it came out maybe even the same weekend as Paranormal Activity. Mm, so it just kind of... The timing was off. Yeah, 
And it's a better. It's I think that it's a better movie than Paranormal Activity. Okay. All right. So I think I might have to check out the pack in October. Yeah, check out the Pact. I'd skip the pack too. It's yeah, an unnecessary it sequel. Yeah, I wasn't gonna do that. Sequels. Yeah. Come on now. Come on now. Uh, I have one last one, and that is Hong Sang Soo's in another country, which I've seen two of his films now. Okay, and this guy is critically praised left and right. People talk about his intoxicating rhythms, and they put you in a trance-like state with, through repetition. And after seeing two of these, I have no idea what people are talking about. I can't stand him. Mm. I think I'm allergic to his films. Like my body rejects them as I'm watching them. Because this one is, okay, so Isabel Huppert plays three different characters. So there's three stories in this movie. The first one, she plays a famous French director who goes to this uh, Korean beach resort, small town, for vacation. The second one, she's a, a housewife meeting her Korean lover. And then in the third one is her husband just left her and she and she goes there with a friend. So she kind of meets up with the same people and they play slightly different variations of the same character. And she's constantly looking for this fucking lighthouse that no one knows where it is. And it's really irritating because every story is the same thing. She talks to this lifeguard, tries to find this lighthouse. He's not exactly sure what a lighthouse is because it's it's in English. Right. So there's some miscommunication. And it's just unbelievably dull. Hmm. And it goes nowhere each time. So it's three instances of going nowhere. <laughs> so not only is it just a movie that goes nowhere once, it goes nowhere three times. Okay? And each time, Isabella Huppert is looking for a goddamn lighthouse that no one can find, which it's not that fucking hard to find a lighthouse. They're pretty big. Start, Yeah, start from the water, work your way back. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're on the coast. They're not that far in. <laughs> It's a small fucking town. Find a goddamn lighthouse, would you? And just after watching two of these, the only other one that I saw was uh, The Day He Arrives, which got pretty good reviews too. And the only thing that I, conclusion that I can come to is, number one, he has nothing to say. He just has nothing to say. Or second, he has something to say, but he just has no idea how to say it. Hmm. And he just wastes time to try and mask it. I haven't seen anything by him, so I couldn't... And don't, because you are going to hate these. I mean, like, it's it's filmed confidently. It looks good, but outside of that, there's just there's nothing going on here. It's just people meandering around, going nowhere, with nothing to say at all. It's just a huge waste of time. Hmm, okay. Well, there you have it. Now, I will say, okay, outside of that, the only good thing was the guy that played the lifeguard. He was hilarious because he's just overly excited. <laughs> he, he's just, he's a lot of fun. I did enjoy him. Everything else is just awful. And I don't think I'm ever going to watch a Hong Sang Soo film again. I think I'm done. Okay. Cutting it off. I understand. All right. Well, do you want to get into the longest week? Well, let's do that one. Let's start off there. Okay. So. This is directed, written and directed by Peter Glantz, stars Jason Bateman and Olivia Wilde, Billy Crudup. Jenny Slate's in it for a very short amount of time. 
which is funny because right. some of the marketing material I've seen for this puts her she's top billing. Yeah, she's, she's top billing. She's top billing. And Jason Bateman gets the end Jason Bateman. Yeah. Like he just pops up for a little bit which, when he's the main fucking character. It follows him more than anyone. Yeah. So he's the whole movie. And I don't so I don't get that. Jenny Slate top billing. What the hell? Yeah, I don't I don't know what was going on here. I mean, Jenny Slate's great, don't get me wrong, but she's barely in the movie. Mm-hmm. When she is, though, she is fantastic. Yeah, she's fantastic in everything. Uh, I have a synopsis here. Affluent and aimless, Conrad Valmont lives a life of leisure in his parents' prestigious Manhattan hotel. In the span of one week, he finds himself evicted, disinherited, and in love. Oh, <laughs> Now you wrote a review for this on the site, so it's yeah. it's up there. And you you you've been waiting for me to see this one. Yeah, and actually, I'm surprised. I thought I, I was I was I was looking forward to seeing how you responded to this because I thought I had a feeling I was like he yeah I think he's going to be surprised by this. I yeah I was because I thought you were going to absolutely see through everything in this movie and find it to be terrible, but apparently that's not quite right. It, it kinda, kinda. I did see through everything, but you were still. But I still. You're still was on enough, board. There is still enough there. So basically, for those of you that don't know or haven't seen it, couldn't couldn't uh, put it together from the trailers. This is a Wes Anderson movie. This is yeah, pretty much the the most blatant <laughs> Wes Anderson. I guess I'll say rip off. Yeah, you could say that. You could say that. It's Wes Anderson redoing Arthur really yeah with some with some woody allen thrown in there yep yep and i just i had a real problem with with that getting past that i thought that the performances were were fine i thought that the highlight was billy crudup i thought his character was great and we (laughs) we talked about this a little bit off the air and i love how he would give people volvos (laughs) just give them a volvo i thought that was great I didn't really like Jason Bateman in this, but that's the character, you know? He's yeah. just yeah. That's just how this character was. And I found it to be a pretty typical romantic comedy. I thought that the fact that this all took place over the course of one week seemed a little ridiculous. That was, that was a bit ridiculous. Because it felt like I mean they're telling felt- each other they love they love each other and it, it feels yeah. like you know, it, it feels like over the course of like seven years, it's like 500 maybe. days of summer, but seven, seven days, <laughs> seven days of summer. <laughs> Where the, their whole, their whole relationship begins and ends in one week. And it's just like, they go, they go through all the same kind of, you know, fights and turmoil and then making up yeah. and then, but it's all condensed into one week. And it just seems completely unrealistic to me. Oh, it's definitely, definitely unrealistic. The narration, I was not on board no, with that. No, either. the narration was the biggest thing for me. I couldn't, it just, it sounded very clunky. It almost feels like it was written after the fact. Did you get that sense? Yeah. Like it was almost put in afterwards. Yeah. Because it just, it didn't, the, the writing and the narration didn't match the rest of the script to me. It just felt really poorly written. Luckily, like, it kind of dies out towards the end. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be used as much. 
it almost feels like it like in the beginning of the film is where you just it is an onslaught of wes anderson mm-hmm. like you're essentially like oh fuck is this a wes anderson movie that no one knew about mm-hmm. but it's that slowly goes away after a while and it becomes more of i would say more of a woody allen type deal yeah but th- but that was the main draw for me is that underneath that because i thought about it a little bit it's kind of hard for me to go against peter glance and saying oh man you're just completely ripping off Wes Anderson when David Dor- Gordon Green did the same thing with Terrence Malick, and I was okay well, with him e- doing everybody it. Everybody has their influences. I think they that, do, and I don't think that you should immediately write off a movie because it looks or has the same tone as a, another movie or whatever. I mean, how many people uh, rip off Woody Allen every year? I mean, oh yeah, at yeah. this point he's ripping off himself anyway, <laughs> but. But so that wasn't it. It was a glaring thing for me that I had a hard time getting past. But at the same time, that's not why I didn't like this movie. I didn't like this movie because I just didn't think it was a good movie. I wasn't invested in the characters except for Billy Crudup. I I didn't I didn't find it that funny. See, I, I did enjoy the humor. See, I was on the fence. I was I was like smack dab in the middle of a five and a six. And then I thought, well, you know, I like the cinematography. I thought it was well done. And I did find it to be pretty funny. I did enjoy the dialogue. Yeah. So that that bumped it up a little bit for me. I gave this a five on letter or two two and a half, I believe, on letterbox. But overall I just thought I mean I could agree with that. I can definitely agree. Some with of that. it was just eye rollingly Yeah, there was ridiculous some... to me. <laughs> The the biggest thing for me is when he first meets Olivia Wilde on the uh, the train. Yeah, yeah, like that narration was just god awful. What the hell was that? Yeah, and the other thing Ooh. that that I talked briefly with you about was the fact that I don't un- I don't really know if this is a movie that is trying to poke fun at these type of people or if it's just falling into. With that yeah there it, it is it is kind of interesting when uh jenny slate shows up because i found all of that to be absolutely hilarious when they were t- you know asking her what she's getting her i think it was her masters mm-hmm. she was like postmodernist criticism yeah and just it, there's it almost feels like he's kind of poking fun at the movie itself yeah like critiquing it and that that was what i was kind of confused about if it was being pre- if the movie was pretentious in order to make fun of pretentious movies and pretentious people, or if it was trying, if it ended up being pretentious and it wasn't trying to be, I think it was because there was that point where Jenny Slate's in Olivia Wilde's apartment and they're talking about like, oh, they probably just sit around drinking Tom Collins, mm-hmm. then immediately cuts to Billy Crudup and Jason Bateman mm-hmm. in the elevator drinking Tom Collins, having a very pretentious conversation. Yeah. But some of that worked for me. Some of it didn't. Uh, it, it just seemed like it was a little bit too much. You know, just I felt like they were just going to dinner <coughs> after dinner and, I don't know, different functions. See, and that's, that's what the upper class does, man. It's just dinners. That's all you got. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just... That's all you got going on. I thought it was a pretty average movie average at best i mean i think the poster for this movie just sums everything up 
you just look at that poster and you're like, okay, well, that looks like a completely generic romantic comedy. Well, <laughs> and that's it's also I... kind of funny because it's like she, the tagline is she had him at I'm your best friend's girlfriend. They weren't even dating. They No, they weren't <laughs> even dating. <laughs> I mean, you got top billing to Jenny Slate, which no, that's not true. And it says, you know, like they kind of convey that it, it features Jason Bateman like in a small role, but he's the main fucking character. It just it seems like they had no idea what the fuck to do yeah, with this movie. It's, that's what it seems like. It just seems like they had no no idea how to market this thing. Which maybe <laughs> if I knew more about what it was going into it, maybe I would have liked it more. Perhaps I I don't know. I don't know. It were it worked for me. I mean there were there was uh, definitely some things that irritated me. I'm not gonna lie, especially the the soundtrack was just fucking constant. With the Chet Baker jazz. Yes. It was just always fucking playing. Like, as there was a couple moments where they're, like, having a conversation, and the soundtrack is almost too loud. Like, it's it's interrupting them speaking. It was disturbing. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't understand what they were saying to each other because they wouldn't stop with the jazz for, like, <laughs> one second. It's just constant jazz all the time. That's the kind of movie it is, so- man. So much jazz, and I like jazz, but tone it down a little bit. Come on. Plus, it also makes for a wonderful commercial for that watch. Oh, yeah. Which is my dream watch, or close to my dream watch, the IWC Portofino. My goodness. Mm. <laughs> they, they, I mean, they, they, like, man, they filmed that thing tenderly. It's ridiculous. I was going to ask you about the watch. Oh man! Uh, what do you think of Olivia Wilde in it? I love Olivia Wilde in everything she's in, so I thought she was good in it. I enjoyed her. I did like her character. The only thing that kind of got me was her. Like, I don't know why I get stuck on this small time stuff, but her eye makeup was just always immaculate. Her- like she just woke up, eye makeup perfect, lashes perfect. Yeah, that's how her eyes are in everything, though. Her eye makeup is always it's just always perfect. Well, she does play a model in the movie, so just like I don't know, they just she wakes up in the morning, boom, perfect. That's probably what, how it is for Olivia Wilde. Probably, there's people <laughs> doing her makeup as she's sleeping, <laughs> so she wakes up looking immaculate. Yeah. There you have it, the longest week. That's a recommendation from Kevin. A uh, very light recommendation from me. I, yeah, I, I, I found I, it to I be just, pretty forgettable. I, I enjoyed the screenplay. I thought it was funny. And I thought it had a good pace to it. I will say this. It is and I like the visuals. It is better than most romantic comedies. Yeah. Yes. There's more yes. to it than most romantic comedies. And that is that is one thing about the poster. It does make it look like a really typical romantic comedy. And I think that there is more to it than that, but yeah. at the end of the day I just and I, I wasn't really thrilled about the whole like epilogue thing that happened it, towards the end. Yeah, and... yeah, that I, that didn't need to be there. That didn't need to be there. I would, I will agree with you on that one. There you have it. Uh, Kevin gave that a six out of ten. I'm going to give it a five out of ten. The longest week that's playing on uh, video on demand right now. Let's go ahead and move on to our next film. We're talking about <sighs> God. God help the girl. This is directed by Stuart Murdoch, written and directed. Stars Emily Browning, Ali Alexander, Hannah Murray. 
I have a synopsis here. As Eve begins writing songs as a way to sort through some emotional problems, she meets James and Cassie, two musicians, each at each at crossroads of their own. <laughs> <laughs> Reading that word for word. Each at crossroads of their own. Totally makes sense. All right. So, Kevin, what would you think of God Help the Girl? Oh, boy. Well, first off, I recuse myself from reviewing this just because i don't understand i don't understand musicals and i just uh, i don't think that i could i don't think that i can be fair when it comes to musicals because i just i naturally don't like them no i think you can be fair because this movie is not good no it's not good no not at all it's i mean the first i want to say like 20 minutes maybe half hour it is just a fucking mess a convoluted mess like i didn't i don't even really understand what the hell was going on People are just singing for no reason, and then there's some serious stuff going on, but I couldn't tell if that was in the past or if we were still in the present. And anytime the musical numbers show up, it just goes into, like, music video mode. Yeah. So it's just like we're waiting for another music video to start, kind of like you were talking about with 14 Blades, where it sort of limps to the next action set piece. Mm -hmm. That's what this movie does. It limps to the next music video, essentially. It's just, oh, boy. Uh, this is rough. Yeah, this, this is rough. This has this currently has a sixty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. This premiered <clears> at Sundance, and and I heard some good things when I was at Sundance. I didn't see it there, but I was hearing some good things. For some reason, I thought that this movie took place in the sixties. Completely wrong about that. I don't know <laughs> what made me think that. I kind of wish it did, actually. <laughs> uh, but they just they dress like it's the sixties. Yeah. Maybe that's just from the the poster and the stills that I saw. Maybe that's what made me think that. But I had a really hard time getting through it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, you know, the music was fine. I actually didn't mind most of the songs. Some of the songs I felt I felt were a little, a little ridiculous. But the music itself, I didn't mind. I didn't necessarily mind the performances either. I had problems just with the structure of the story i didn't find the plot to be very interesting and the characters i thought acted odd like like the main girl she's the whole time she's like brooding but there's no clear reason why like what's like what's wrong what what is going on why are you acting like this and she's like so depressed but it's like okay well what's happening here and then at one point She's having a conversation. This is near the end of the movie. She's having a conversation with Ollie Alexander, who plays James. And she's like, or, or no, I think he says something like, I know you think I'm, I'm too opinionated and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what, what makes her think that? What have we seen that makes him opinionated? This kid is a manila folder. The, the definition yeah, what, of a manila folder. He does nothing. What did all this character development happen? Yeah. And that was, Where was, that was one of the biggest Where problems was... I had was that I, f- I felt that all of the characters were extremely underdeveloped. Like I didn't even, I didn't know who these people were. And like Cassie, she just kind of pops in halfway yeah. through the movie and then mm-hmm. she, oh, she's just one of the gang. And we're supposed to know what her story is all about, but we don't know anything except that she yeah. was going to go on vacation at one time. <laughs> I had a problem with a lot of the transitions into the music too. I thought that one of the most ridiculous was when 
they were like, oh, we need some more people for the band. So they come up with that flyer. And then all of a sudden there's a huge group of people that are chasing them. And it's like this silly romp. Yeah. Which there's a lot going on. The movie's so uneven because at one second we're like, oh, my God, she's anorexic. She's she's dying. She's got all these problems. And then the next second we're like, oh, we're getting chased by people that want to be in our band because we're so popular. And it's just like turns into a hard day's night. (laughs) There's a scene where they have a gig and instead of just calling Cassie on the phone, they send the dog to pick her up. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, just give her a call and say, hey, we got a gig. Why doesn't she already know about the gig anyway? Because she's like, she's part of the band, but she's not really part of the band. But she's like the band. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Nothing in this movie was. There's a lot going for me. on. There's a lot going on for me. That yeah, the music's the only thing that kept me interested at all because I've heard. Um, I guess we should point out that Stuart Murdoch is one of the founding members of Bell and Sebastian. It's all based on their their album. Uh, I, I enjoy Bell and Sebastian. Yeah, I do too. For the I, for the most I like part, <clears throat> I love their music. Because no one really sounds like them. And I have to say it was very interesting hearing the music. Because I've heard this album and I've heard these songs so many times. Because my wife is a huge fan. But yet I didn't recognize any of these songs. It's kind of It was very odd to me that I didn't recognize them. Because they're still different in the way that they're played. Yeah. So that's really interesting to me. And that was the only thing that really kept me involved. But at the same time, I can just listen to the fucking album. Like if I can just pop that CD in and listen to it, yeah. and I, I'm having the same experience. It's just nothing else held my interest. There was one portion that made me just cackle out loud, and that was the short moment that showed Ali Alexander working as a lifeguard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like I just lost it because it, it was just well done the way they just quick cut to it. Oh, and I love come it. Back. Yeah, but that, that's that it. was that made me laugh a lot too. That's it. Like there's there's nothing else. Yeah, I, think... I don't really like I don't just not even it's just so bland to me that I don't really even have anything to say one way or the other. There's nothing to say glowingly and there's nothing to like say to rip it apart. I'm just in the middle, I forgot it as soon as it was over, and I just want to move on with my life. What did you think about that canoe scene that happened and then at the end I, how they did the, the fade out where it was everything I, went black and the, the circle I, around them and the canoe? The old iris out? Yeah. Uh, when that happened, I literally out loud said to my wife, I was like, well, that's that's a terrible decision. Shouldn't do that. Which there's a number of decisions that Which are is, made. And that's that just goes along with me not really understanding the tone of this movie because it feels all over the place at one second it feels like this kind of goofy musical and then the next second they get super serious with it yeah it just felt so scattered to me things get dark and then it's back to silliness but i didn't find it to be that silly like i just found it to be stupid no (laughs) because with it being that uneven none of them none of those instances work because it's so uneven. Because it just feels really out of place when it goes to the silly territory. You're just like, what the fuck is happening right now? Why is this happening? And then when it gets really serious, it's you know, it's right after a silly sequence. 
And you're like, well, I can't take this seriously. Yeah, I, I was not into any of it. I did laugh at the Ali Alexander has a tattoo on his arm that's just a cube. <laughs> I, wrote that, I wrote that down in my notes, cube tat. Cube tat. <laughs> I thought that was just... Just it, it just summed up the whole movie for me. A random cube tat. <laughs> Twee as fuck. Yeah, it Twee is. Twee as fuck. So much quee. Yeah, quee. Quirk and twee in the two movies that we watched. Yep, and I was not into either of them. So, solid week for you, it sounds like. Yeah, no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh, boy. I really wanted to like this movie. I really did. I, it seemed interesting to me. I'm always willing to give a musical a shot. I don't know why, but I feel like even though I don't like musicals generally, I'm always willing to just give it a shot. And for this one, I really had high hopes, and it just it didn't really work. Didn't work out for you. I was even on board at the beginning the first musical number that happens i was like okay this is fun this is light you know and then they get into the whole like she's in the hospital thing and it's just like oh oh yeah that's that's what i mean and then they have that establishing shot of her on the scale oh yeah and she's like thin as bone i'm like oh shit what's going on here yeah sad one thing that i was thankful for that i was concerned about was the the type of musical where it's nonstop music yeah, well, thank God. I was I was concerned about that at the beginning. I was like, uh-oh. But fortunately, it's not that kind of musical. Because those I just can't do. Can't do it. No, no, I can't do it either. I mean, it's bad enough trying to get me into a musical. But if you're going to be full-on musical the entire time, no. Uh-uh. Interestingly. I don't, have, I don't have time for it. If For those of you that have seen the show Skins, the girl that plays... Cassie in Skins is the girl that plays Cassie in this movie, Hannah Murray. What? And the final season of Skins, it followed, there were two episodes each that followed one character. And in Cassie's episode, her co-star was Ollie Alexander. Oh my God, you just blew this wide open. Yep. Holy shit. Yep. Conspiracy. What's going on? I don't What's know. Hmm. <gasps> I don't know. Oh, speaking wow. of skins, off topic slightly, have you seen any of the Amazon pilots? No. No. You need to watch Red Oaks, which is Oaks. an Amazon pilot directed by David Gordon Green, okay. produced by Steven Soderbergh. Oh, my God. And it takes place in, I think, 1985. Whoa. It's got Paul Reiser in it? Yep. Yep. What? The kid, the main kid in that movie from Submarine, is he? Oh, are you kidding yeah. me? And he was he was in Skins too. That's what made me think of that. Uh, oh my goodness, this yeah. is too much. And it takes place at a country club, so it's got this kind of Caddyshack sort of vibe uh, going on. I don't even know if I can handle that. Be honest with you. You should watch it. You should you should <sighs> definitely watch it. I feel I'm gonna like it too much though. Uh, don't don't get your hopes too. Too hot. Okay, bring bring him down. I think that it's a good pilot, and I hope the show gets picked up. I think that I would need to see a few more episodes just to see where they're going with it. Okay. It's okay. There's a part of me that misses Paul Reiser. I don't know why. 
was never really a big fan of him to begin with. Yeah, same here. Well, it seems like I like but him I like more him. now. Yeah, I like him. He's in Whiplash. Oh, with really? Miles Teller. Yeah, he plays the dad. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and he's excellent in that. So. Hmm. Anyway, getting back to God Help the Girl, what are you going to give God Help the Girl? <laughs> Fucking undecided. I have no idea. I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. I'm going to give it... Uh, I think a 5 out of 10. Sounds about right. There, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it either. I, it may sound like I hated it, but I really... This is very I really unassuming. didn't. I, I got bored with it towards the end. I was ready for it to be over. Same here. God, same here. But, you know. And then the abandon is just, what the hell was that? Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Come on now. It looked good. If if you're thinking about watching God Help the Girl, just listen to Bella Oh, Sebastian. also, I, I hated how she had that relationship with the, the German yeah. Swede. That whole Wait. thing. I thought that was terrible. No, that was pointless. Just pop in if you're feeling sinister, and you'll be much more happy than watching this movie. Mm, there you go. So do that. So do that for dear catastrophe wasters. One or the other. There you have it. Let's talk about some better things. Kind of talking guilty pleasures here. So we're gonna do this every month. We'll we'll do it at the beginning of each month, and we're gonna highlight a movie where. Maybe it wasn't the best-reviewed movie. Maybe it's not a well-liked movie. Or maybe it's just a movie that we're not too proud of to say that we're fans of. But for whatever reason, and maybe, there's a number a, maybe, maybe there's a good backstory behind it. <laughs> Could be a number of things. These movies are our guilty pleasures. So, what is your... I'm my, dying to find out what yours is. Here's the interesting thing. So, I... I is it problem, child? I, oh, no, but that'll be added to the list. I think we did that already, though, actually. That we will be added to the list. Back in the day. My movie is from 1993, and I think that probably most of the movies on my guilty pleasures list will be movies from my childhood. Of course. I think that that's probably how it's just going to turn out. Naturally. So this is a movie that came out in 1993, directed by Joe Dante. Oh, boy. Stars John Goodman. Oh, boy. And it's called Matinee. Matinee. Now, after picking this movie, I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes and I thought to myself, you know what? Maybe this isn't a guilty pleasure because it has a 93%. But I do remember when this movie came out, it was panned by critics. I remember that it did not do well. Mm. And it was not very well liked. However, I love this movie. I think that it is, it, it's a coming-of-age story. It takes place in the in the early 60s, you know, at the height of the Cuban Missile Crisis, and it's about monster movies and horror movies of that time. So, of course, this is a movie that I would yeah, absolutely this, love. Everything about this it. sounds perfect. Plus, John Goodman's in it, and he's fantastic in it. If you haven't seen I've, this movie, it is incredible. I've, I've actually never heard of this movie. It's amazing. I've never heard of it. And it sounds great. Yep. I want to see this now. It takes place in you did. takes place in Key West, Florida. And, oh my god. And John Goodman is a movie producer. He's sort of like William Castle, one of these uh 
directors that he's always coming up with new gimmicks to try to get people in seats and scare people and coming yeah. up with like putting buzzers in people's seats and getting people dressed up in costumes and it's really interesting to see how those movies were done back then yeah and it's great it's funny it's a family movie but it's also interesting because it's set to the backdrop of the impending doom that everybody thought Russia was going to drop nukes on us. So, you know, they have to deal with air raid sirens and at school when they would do the, the drills where you'd get out into the, the, the hallway and put, you know, duck down, get your head down and all of that stuff. Cause that's definitely going to save you. Of course. Of course. But they talk about that in the movie. Nice. So matinee is definitely on my list. Apparently, it's more liked than I previously thought. Thought <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe it's not really a I guilty just, pleasure. But now, going through the because I'm just like, oh, who else is in this movie? And I always like to check old movies to see, you know, people popping up. As Naomi Watts is in here, yeah, she's in it for a very, very short time. One of the movies that they play, that they're watching, she's in it. So she plays an actress in one of the movies. Wow. And then the only other one I see is Joey Fatone. Mm-hmm. Un- uncredited Joey Fatone. Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. It's, <laughs> a, it's a fun little movie. I'm going to have to check this one out. I think you should. I can't, believe I, I can't believe I just learned about this. I saw it in the theater. My dad took my cousin and I to see it in the theater, and I loved it. And I thought it was amazing. And my cousin didn't like it that much. And I got really upset that he didn't like it. <laughs> you just pissed off at him. That he didn't fucking like it. Yep. So there you have it. Matinee. We're, we're, Check that we're, out. Uh, we're, was the relationship strained for a while? Because of... Probably for like five minutes. Mm. Mm. Unbelievable. Mine is not a family film. <laughs> Mine happens to be the first R-rated movie I've ever seen, which is, I'm pretty sure it's the first R-rated movie I've ever seen. Maybe, in, you know, the entirety of it. I might have caught some stuff that my parents were watching or something. Mm-hmm. But this one is The Last Boy Scout from Tony Scott, 1991. Oh, boy. This movie. That opening scene. Just... I think the opening scene of that movie is... <laughs> this is... <laughs> Probably just in people of our generation, that opening scene is just ingrained. It, it's unbelievable because okay, the I saw this movie. We rented this. Me and a friend of mine. We walked down to Hollywood Video from his house, which no one else is going to know this, but this is just for you, Adam. From the top of Ho, uh, Yo Hill to Hollywood Video hmm. to rent this bad boy. All right, I think I was like I don't know, ten years old, maybe. 12 something like that in between that area and his parents sleeping over at his house his parents just they didn't give a shit they just whatever kept us out of their hair so we rented the last boy scout i don't know how that happened how we were able to do it but we got it and the only memory i have is the opening sequence of this movie and the end of this mm-hmm. movie okay and the only thing i can remember about the opening is why the fuck was it so dark and I thought, well, maybe that's just like my memory playing tricks on me. Like I didn't quite understand it being that young. So this is the first time that I've revisited this bad boy since being 
10 to 12 years old. And no, I was right. They, they're playing a NFL game nationally televised, but yet there's no <laughs> fucking lights. And it, it's just like pitch black. Like they're playing a secret game at like three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> there's just no lights. And then it's halftime. They go into the locker room, even less lights in the locker room, even less lights. I think that's a Tony Scott thing. <laughs> it's just like, what the, f- what the hell is, and the funny thing is, because I was really into sports when I was little, so even back then I was like, well, there should be lights. They're playing a night game. You can't play in the dark. This isn't real. But I bought into it wholeheartedly, so much to the point where I actually thought, because I was kind of stupid as a kid, that what happens next, you know, Billy Cole, who's having a game of his life, gets a phone call at halftime, and he needs to just start scoring touchdowns no matter what. And I love the fact that he goes straight to packing a pistol yeah. to score touchdowns. Yeah. Like, that touchdown, that touchdown's not going to fucking That's count. That's not going to count. No, come on. This whole game is under review. So he, you know, catches pass rundown, just starts shooting people for no fucking reason to score this touchdown, and then shoots himself. Which, to me, this was the first time I've ever seen this kind of stuff. And I was just like, oh my god. Because he shoots a guy in the face and it's really gruesome. Then he kneecaps a guy. Mm -hmm. And then he says, life's a bitch. And he blows his brains out. And it's just like, holy shit, this is amazing. Swearing, blood. Oh my goodness. This is probably when I came of age. There you go. This is my my coming of age story. I wish I could remember the (laughs) first R-rated movie I ever saw, and I can't. I cannot remember. I I don't know if this is, without a doubt, the first R-rated movie I've I've seen, but it's the first one I remember. Because I do remember being, like, really freaked out. Especially the end when he falls in. He gets shot, like, 80 times and then falls into a helicopter blade, which that helicopter's flying really low. Oh, yeah. And then he just gets so graphic, and then... Bruce Willis dances a little jig. They put it up on the big screen and everyone starts cheering. And just like, even as a kid, I'm like, this is really messed up. Like why are, like a guy just went through a helicopter blade and went everywhere. Damon Wayans is on a horse. Bruce Willis is the worst father ever. Uh, apparently the NFL was just a complete mess in the early nineties, according to Tony Scott. And this movie is just ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I. It's it's so terrible, but so good. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch this this afternoon. I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to try to fit it in before we talked about it, but that didn't get a chance. <laughs> and my favorite thing is like Bruce Willis is this rundown private detective, just a complete mess, and they're sort of like getting his backstory going on when he's at the the police station. They're like, Who, "What was he? Was he like a cop or something?" And he's like, "This." This piece of shit guy that you see here, back in the day, he saved the president's life. <laughs> and you're just like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> that guy. Are you serious? And then Damon Wayans like, makes fun of his vocabulary. And then there's this like weird thing where they exchange glances. And then bam, buddy cop team up. Just like in that, just because Damon Wayans made fun of his vocabulary, <laughs> they're like, you're an all right guy. <laughs> you're Let's all do right. This. Let's do this. We're a team up. It's just... And then the only time Bruce Willis smiles in this movie is when Damon Wayans does a Prince impression for no reason. It's It's just... because Damon Wayans. Oh, my God. And he's throwing... At the end of the movie, Damon Wayans is on a horse running through a game that's being played. I remember that. And he runs up to the guy and he's like, give me the fucking ball. Give me the fucking ball. 
They give it to him, riding the horse, just straight down, and just throws it up into the fucking box seats. Hits the guy in the nose as the sniper bullet is about to hit him in the face, knocks him back a little bit, blows up the ball instead. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Like, 12-year-old oh. me, 12-year-old me is just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. This is unbelievable. And then for a little bit, I thought, like, maybe that could actually happen in a football game. Like, I was always worried that someone might pull out a gun and shoot someone oh. when they were, like, running on the 20-yard line. That could happen now. But it, it hasn't happened yet, so. It's just, but this movie's batshit insane. Just completely batshit insane. Tony Scott was the man. <laughs> oh, still to this day, I still like it. I don't give a shit. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's it makes fantastic. it a guilty pleasure. Now you're now last Boy Scout it's, that that only garnered a forty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So mine makes a little more sense. Yeah, it's just it's so. I mean, the synopsis: a down and out cynical detective teams up with a down and out ex quarterback to try and solve a murder case involving a pro football team and a politician. What the hell? You don't see action movies like that anymore. No. No, you just don't. You don't. Oh, boy. There you have it. The Last Boy Scout. Check that out as well. That's that's an emphatic recommend. I can't wait to find out what next month's going to be for you. I'm, I'm pretty excited. I, I, I like doing this. This is good. I have an idea. I think I know what my next one's going to be. I have a huge I list. Think, already, I think so. most of these are going to be from my childhood, though. Oh, I think I think almost all of mine will be, too. It's just That's just how... I'll, yeah, because I'm just I'm I'm much more pickier than I you know back then I just watched whatever. Well, that's pretty much what I do now, I did, but I didn't really get to pick what I watched. Yeah. Okay. Let's go over some predictions. Let's do this. We didn't predict anything last week, but I felt that I should make a mention of uh, what's it called? The identical. Okay. I don't know if you've seen anything about this, but. Huh. People are saying that it is the worst movie of the year by far, and apparently it is awful. I didn't know this, but it is a faith-based movie. (laughs) I just just saw what this is. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So, critics are ripping this one to shreds. Wow. I like Critic Wire's summary. Everyone knows Elvis' twin died at birth. What this movie presupposes is maybe he's Jesus. <laughs> but I don't think they can say it, Elvis. So he's not, it's not actually Elvis in the movie. It's just an Elvis like person. His twin brother turns out to be Jesus. Yeah, apparently. Okay. Okay. I kind of want to see this. I don't want to give them my money, but I kind of want to see it. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, this looks oh really terrible. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't even know what to say. I have nothing to say. I, th- I think Ryan's gonna be watching that at some point. You're damn right he is. <laughs> You're damn right he is. Uh, so we, so that was the only one that came out. We didn't predict that one. So got a. I'm. Can I predict real quick? Don't say what okay. it is. I'm gonna say twenty-two. It got a four. Ah. <laughs> Uh, next week we have No Good Deed, starring Idris Elba. Mm, 
Yeah. That one's probably not going to be very good. I I like Idris Elba a lot, but yeah, that movie doesn't look great. I will say forty-two. Say fifty. Okay, and we also have Dolphin Tale Two. Oh, man. That also stars Ashley Judd, I believe. Ashley Judd is tearing it up this year. Man. Hmm. What are you thinking on Dolphin Tale 2? 14. (laughs) Uh, I will say 24. Okay. 42, 24. Uh, Next week in limited release, we have Atlas Shrugged. Whatever the third one is called. There's a subtitle to it, but I don't know what it is. What, the new one? Yeah. Who is John Galt? Who is John Galt? Really? Are we all? Honestly. I think we're all well, we're, John Galt. We're going to finally find out who he is. Hopefully. Or maybe they'll save it for Atlas Shrug 3. No, this is this is the third one. <laughs> oh, this is the third one? Oh, God. The gripping... The gripping third movie in the Atlas Shrugged series. The critically acclaimed Atlas Shrugged series. My favorite franchise. I like thinking about Atlas Shrugging. You know, like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> eh. That's, that's what I hope the movie is. It's just, a, it's just that. It's just that. Like people at, yeah, asking, asking, him, asking him his opinion about things and him going, it's just like, eh. eh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh god. We also have the Skeleton Twins. Oh, I'm really looking forward to I am to that. too. I heard nothing but good things about that. Kristen Wiig and uh Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Yeah. I'm, I, yeah. I'm excited about this one. Uh The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby. Heard good things about that one as well. This is interesting. I want to see that one too. The Drop with Tom nice. Hardy and I believe that it is the last it's the last uh, movie that Gandolfini <laughs> will be in. Nice. Very excited about that. Same here. Honeymoon, which I saw. I'm kinda uh, I want to see this one a little bit. I don't know why. It's just it's growing on me. I think Ever that you will find it. I think you'll find that one to be interesting. Okay. Female female writer and director. We had her on the show actually. Lee Janiak. Ryan and I saw this at South by. He didn't like it, but. Yeah. It's not, it's just because it's not a Ryan type of movie. It's a very slow burn body horror movie. Goes to some, it, it goes to some very interesting and disturbing places. So okay. I do recommend checking that one out. I didn't love it, but yeah. Yeah, I think it might be, isn't, that's four solid movies right there. Yeah. And finally, At the Devil's Door, speaking of The Pact, this is directed by Nicholas McCarthy, who did The Pact. Oh, okay. Ryan and I also saw this at South by and I did not like it at all. So a lot of people are saying, saying very good things about it. It just wasn't for me. I had a real problem with the performances in this movie. And I thought that a lot of the scares were goofy. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. I think you thought the same way about insidious where sometimes mm-hmm. creepy visuals can either be looked at as scary or silly. Mm-hmm. And with yes. At the Devil's Door, that's... And I, and I felt so bad because I think that Nicholas McCarthy is a good director and I think that he's a really promising director. But when we saw this at South By, there were literally people laughing in the theater oh. at some of the stuff. 
and he was sitting right next to where I was, and I just felt so bad. Like I wasn't, I was not laughing at the screening, but yeah, it you was, were just you were in, on the inside. To, were. It, was, it was on the inside. Respectful laughing. That's available on demand right now, though. So if you want to check that out, it it starts off really, really promising, but it hmm. doesn't follow through. Um, video on demand next week. We have all this mayhem, which I'm pretty excited to see. It's a documentary about uh, the uh, Australian skateboarders. Yeah, I think Vice made had something to do with that the documentary, but looks quite good. Honeymoon, so you'll get to see that on VOD next week. Maybe we'll review it on the show. That might be a good idea. And the Scribbler. 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 This one looks interesting. I don't know what to think of it. That's like the the type of film that could go one way or the other. I don't know if you've seen anything about this. As as most. No, but I mean like like extremes. (laughs) Okay. I I mean, obviously, well, if you listen to this show, most of the movies that I talked about were not great, but they weren't horrible. I think that the Scribblers could be really interesting and unique and it could also be a complete pile. Mm. Let's see. Let's see. The visuals look interesting, but it looks like it's also kind of a low budget movie. So I don't know. I'll be checking it mm. out though, either way, because it looks pretty twisted and there looks to be a lot of surreal imagery and what have you. So I'll be checking it out. Yeah. All right. Next week on DVD and Blu-ray, we have Borgman. 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 Brick Mansions. Mm. It'll be old Brick Brick Mansions. I haven't seen that, but I would probably suggest just checking out the original one, District B-13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Captain America the Winter Soldier. If you haven't seen that yet, definitely recommend that one. I don't think that there's going to be a... Uh, one of the biggest selling points for those Marvel Blu-rays for me is the short film that they always put in with them. And I don't think there mm-hmm. is one on that. So that sucks. What's the point though? What's the point? Fed up. I think that's the Katie Couric one documentary. Yeah. Give me a break. Yeah. I didn't hear great things about it. God's pocket with Philip Seymour Hoffman. That one, I feel like that one just, it didn't make much of a splash. No, it just kind of flew under the radar. Yeah. There. Uh, Hornet's nest. Heard good things. Nebraska. What? Yeah. I don't know if that's some sort of re-release or what. What the hell is that about? Is that the colorized one? <laughs> oh, God. Is that is that a real thing? That's not a real yeah, thing. Yeah, no, that's a real thing. I forget who was going to do that. What? They were going to colorize it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know. I don't know if they went through with it, but I do remember reading about that. Oh, my God. That that would be terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't, Definitely. I don't know if it's a different edition or what but that was on the list uh palo alto which is the gia coppola movie Mm -hmm. i heard heard pretty good things so i'll be checking that one out teenage Mm -hmm. which i was a little lukewarm on and that's actually um that's playing still right now oh it is okay you can watch that bad boy cool yeah check that out on netflix if uh you want to see a kind of interesting documentary about teenagers and willow creek also comes out on dvd and blu-ray next week one of the worst movies of the year 
Mm, one of the, me, one of the worst that movies seen, that you've seen. That seen. But when you look yeah, at your that list, seen, that I've seen. you're so selective about what you see. It's like, yeah, no. yeah. No. We'll have to oh, we'll I... have to remedy that in the coming weeks. No, let's not. <laughs> let's not do that. That's why your that's why your worst of list at the end of the year is like one movie. <laughs> it's it's usually like people's honorable mentions. Yeah. I've well on my worst of Willow Creek won't even come close to it. Let's put it that way. It might be the highest on my I don't know. I have to see what else I watched. It's like it's tied between that and lock. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> well, I'm just gonna have to start sending you some of these found yeah, footage horror ones just to pad your list. Oh, you already did that with Willow Creek. Yeah, I did. Padded enough. Padded enough padding. Enough. <laughs> uh, all right. So there's no Criterion's next week. Nope, nope, nope. Alright, I think that'll wrap it up Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net We'll make sure to answer them on the show Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin And uh, be sure to rate us on iTunes We appreciate that very much For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam And I'm Kevin And we'll see you on Thursday For Ryan Watches a Movie The the bus and the train Bought an independent to make me look like I got brains I made a story up in my head If anybody would ask Going to a seminar Like at first I was like, oh, it's a pork It's a porkage Oh, Jesus Christ